Welcome to Decaf with Mark and Taylor. We're back. We spent the first half of the week in Gatlinburg with our staff at our staff retreat. And um, Mark still looks a little tired. I feel great. Um, but it was it was a good it's a good time of planning, strategic planning, and that's kind of what we want to jump into first. Uh, ever since Beacon, has, some of you may not know this actually, but Beacon has gone pretty much fully remote. We have an office space if people want it, but don't have to use it. And um, ever since then, we have decided that it's important for our whole staff to get together once or twice throughout the year to strategic plan and just get in each other's faces if we have things we need to talk about. And so we did that this week in Gatlinburg. And um, Mark, you had a pretty uh, interesting week, I would say. Um, not a great one. It was a weird, a weird time for me. Um, so uh, the Jazz are in the playoffs, as you know, and they had game one of their second round series. So I was very excited. Um, the TVs in the house didn't have it on. And I didn't want to do the streaming. So so I, I took an Uber down with our, our coworker, Jason, to watch the Jazz game um, downtown Gatlinburg. Great time. Really enjoyed it. Some weird stuff happened, but it was great game. Jazz came back from 13 down on one. But then it was 1 a.m. The game didn't start till 10 p.m. Eastern time. So at 1 a.m., um, we tried to get an Uber or Lyft back. Cause I mean, I had a couple beers. So we wanted to make sure we were safe and not driving. And there was none in sight. You could not get an Uber or Lyft. I called every taxi company and we couldn't do it. And our, our place was like six or seven miles from um, downtown Gatlinburg. And you had to like walk through the bear infested woods. Um, so me and Jason walked for about two or three hours. We kept trying to get Ubers and Lyfts. None came. We had a run in with the cops where they were like, Oh, don't go this way. I'm like, okay, well, where do you want us to go then? And like, you could die to save your life. I'm like, you didn't, but fine. <laughs> and then, but they still wouldn't drive us home and they knew nothing was available. I was so mad. We were walking around. I was sweating profusely. It was like a hundred degrees outside. Jason was sweating more than me. We went into like this weird private property. Like we got to stop here. We can't do this. So eventually we ended up at about 4.30 AM. I just wanted to sleep and we were leaving the next day. I eventually just got, we found a little lodge. They said $150 for the night. I said, no, that's too much. Um, we're going to stay for two hours. Yeah, we're really. place to sleep. And they, they brought it down to $95. So me and Jason split that. We slept. And thankfully the Jazz won. Because if they would have lost, that would have been the worst four hours of my life. Not only would I not have been able to find somewhere to sleep and be hot, but like, I would have also been depressed because they lost. Yeah. So it was quite a night, quite a way to end the trip. But the trip was really great other than that. <laughs> Yes, I'm glad that we got all of our work done on the front end. Um, it's a really good idea on Justin's part for us to do these retreats because it, um, I, a lot of people don't know this, but Beacon, we have a process of choosing what we want to talk about and what we want to tackle in our agenda over coming years, um, where we all sit in the same room and we just throw things out things that we know are a problem, things that we have a solution for, and what do we want to work on and how, how do we want to work on these issues? And so we spent two hours the morning of the day that Mark got lost sitting in the in our house talking about all of these topics from fiscal issues to healthcare issues to education to just random off-the-wall things. For me, it's tattoo licensing. For Mark, it's typically, it has been in the past, sports betting. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much all the, uh, it's funny, I was talking about all the, like, basically the sins. I was like, oh, well, alcohol, uh, delivery, um, yeah, the legal casinos, things like that, but just the idea that, I mean, we just want less government and everything. Right. And so, but it's always so, something we care the most about, right? So it's like, for me, it's like, I, I like sports gambling, and I see all the benefits that it's brought to the state. So like yeah, having, this, banning physical casinos, 
while still having the lottery doesn't make sense to me, but that, that was it. And for me, occupational licensing is a big deal and tattoo licensing. Whenever I get tattoos, I hear about it from the people that are doing it, that they don't want to have to be licensed anymore, which I think is huge. And that's something that I care a lot about. So it's a really fun time of the year where all 11 of us sit in the same room and nothing is off limits. We can throw out any topic we want to say like, this is something that's on my mind that's been bothering me this year. So it was a really good time to get to do that in Gatlinburg. Then we and, had- and it's cool because this is how we develop are what we work on the next yeah. year. So, so what happens is people, and one of the cool things about our CEO, Justin, but like, it's not like a top down, this is what we're working on. We all discuss, we say what we think is like aligned with us that we should be working on. And I mean, we probably had what, 80 ideas? So many. I, t- I was taking notes and the list is long of every idea that we had. It's incredible that there yeah. are things that we don't even think of or I'm thinking of something and Mark's thinking of something similar and they could potentially go together in some way. Ron and I were both thinking of something similar and they're potentially going to get to go together in in one way or another. And we had no idea. We don't know until we sit down together. And so it's a really fun time to have all of these people that are aligned in the same room and really deeply care about Tennessee and deeply care about the principles that we have talking about the different little pieces that we can pick off to make Tennesseans lives more free. I I think it's it's my favorite day of the of work it's my favorite work day of the year yeah it's a great day and it's like it's cool because then ron our policy guy um he has a matrix that he runs it through to make sure it's like is this something we like this is something that's consistent with our principles this is something that we could actually make an impact working on things like that so it ends up being cool and um and i i've said that one of my biggest things that like people have different aspects people have different opinions they come from different parts of life and different things bother them and sometimes um, I think there's other kind of think tanks or, or lobbying organizations where the CEO just decides everything. And it's like, it might not be actually what is affecting normal people, uh, but it's what they care about. So I think it's great that Justin has opened this up. And of course, there's going to be ideas that I have, uh, most of them that we don't actually work on, but he listens and we, and we move them through and we see, and a lot of them, the, the ideas that it's aligned with us, is maybe just the importance is not there. Some of these other things, the immediate importance, uh, like stadium subsidies, as an example, which I bring up every year. Um, but, but it's a really cool thing. And it's something that I think other, not even just think tanks, but just places in general, I think having the the perspective and opinion of people who don't work in that. I mean, one of the things that me and Taylor do too, what we just started doing is that we do comms. This is our job. We do marketing and communications, but we ask the rest of the staff, like, hey, if you have any ideas on these things, we'd love to hear them. Because sometimes it, a perspective from somewhere else, actually something like, oh, well, we just kind of do it this way. We didn't think about that. So that's a great idea. So I, I do think it's a great thing. And I'm glad we do it. And, and our, our new two, as we go remote, we do kind of two or treats a year to talk about things like that. And it's a really cool concept. Yeah, I'm hoping that our next fall retreat, uh, Mark doesn't get lost because that was dramatic for all of us. They were calling me at one o'clock in the morning. I am a princess. I go to sleep at 1030 and I did not love that. (laughs) Well, and and in fairness, I don't want to give too much away, but I was very sober minded. Um, Jason wasn't quite there. (laughs) So I'm glad I'm glad I could keep it. I'm glad I was really I mean, I had not had many drinks at all. So I was at least able to keep it together. Because I don't know if I had a few more drinks, I don't know that I would think that walking through the um, the forest to to go to our house would be a bad idea with all these bears. So I'm glad that I was really I was at least focused. And, um, and the worst part was one of our coworkers, Megan told us after she's like, Oh, yeah, she I I didn't drink anything. And I was wide awake, you should have texted me I'm like, Oh, I wish I could have done that. I was very sober and very asleep. And when you called and said y'all were gonna walk home, that woke me up real quick. And to say you're gonna get eaten by bears, and then I would have to do your job. And I don't want to do your job. (laughs) 
which is obviously the, the main takeaway from that. <laughs> you want to do my job. <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of me taking your job, let's talk about unemployment. I don't know if that really worked, but let's talk about it. Um, so as we all know, COVID has wreaked havoc on businesses, employment, people's employment levels. The unemployment rate was so high. The job, people were cutting jobs. It was, it was a real nightmare for a while. And the government stepped in provided um, money for people who needed it, subsidized their lifestyles because it was, this was an unprecedented pandemic in modern times. But now- well, yeah, And of course they also forced, you know, companies to shut down. So yeah. when you do, when you do that, obviously jobs are lost. So you can't say, oh man, like we forced your company close. You can't have a job. So the point is like, we'll give you a little bit more money. Obviously we're the ones who did this. I mean, that's essentially what it was. Right. Exactly. But now that things are opening back up, you know, California is opening soon. Nashville's open. A lot of States are opening. New York is opening. Um, the, uh, that unemployment money is ending and Tennessee was not one of those opt-in to federal unemployment states. There were a few that were not. Which ones? How many did you say, Mark? Well, well I mean, so, so we they took the money for a while, the extra three hundred dollars, but but then they opted out and said, you know what, we don't. I think it's twenty four, twenty five now. Of course, most of them are kind of um, Republican run states that have said, you know what, that extra three hundred dollars in the federal government is it's now a problem because people are going back to work and people can't find jobs. I mean, I mean, people can find jobs. Um, employers can't find employees. And that's a real problem. And when you incentivize people with an extra $300, just the basic kind of the way we live our lives, most people, if you can make the same amount doing nothing, as opposed to doing something and working 40 hours a week, what are you going to pick? So so it began to the point where that they said, oh, and the left said, oh, anybody who ends this is heartless. Like this was a special amount that was solely COVID related. Nothing is shut down anymore. The vaccine's out there. This is not necessary. Say you're heartless, just, just ignores complete economic reality. And the fact is we're not taking away unemployment. That's still a thing. Just the extra $300 a week that was for a very specific cause that we don't need to worry about anymore. Well, the just the rhetoric of everything. First, it was you're killing grandma. Now you're heartless for taking away extra unemployment money inflammatory rhetoric is never going to get us anywhere. We have to look at, and that's why I say a lot of times the the right side perspective is harder. The left side perspective, I feel like is pretty easy. You want people to have this, that, and the other. You want the government to pay for it. It's just an easier- Especially when you say the government to pay for it because people don't like, not not everyone, but not everyone gets that. They can use that and it's hard for people to understand. Like that means I pay more taxes. Okay, got it. If you said that, I don't think they'd be so, (laughs) that some of their positions would be so popular. Well, and that's why I I just think that being a lefty is a lot easier than being a conservative or a libertarian or being a center writer. I I think it's so much easier because there isn't the need to justify. And And a lot of the right, I mean, when I say right positions, I mean in both ways, Um, but a lot of the right positions are, you know what, long-term, this is bad. You know, oh, you can do this, you know, $1 trillion bailout. Like it might be fine for the immediate future, but in five years when when we're completely bankrupt and have to raise taxes. So it's a lot easier to say, oh, look at this, you know, immediate gratification you'll get. Oh, you get an extra $2,000 that's going to be sent directly to your house. And that's not even, that that can be left and right sometimes. That's not always just the left. I mean, obviously Trump did something like that, but it's a lot easier to say, oh, look at what what I'm getting now and ignore the long-term benefits or long-term problems. And that's what a lot of less policies are, Let's not really worry about what's going to happen, you know, 
later, but we'll say right now, the defund the police sounded great to them for a second. And then within like, you know, three months, like, oh man, look at all the crime for all these cities who have done that, who have basically, and they didn't actually defund them, but they lowered their amount of money and they, they laid off cops and you see the crime rise in all these major cities. So that was a little bit more immediate than normal, but the left just doesn't, and not all of them, and I hate to kind of put them all in a box, but they don't think about the long-term consequences of their policy. They want to, they want instant gratification right now. Right. Stay home because you're killing grandma sounds good, yeah. but unfortunately, yep. business is- Yeah, and, and then let's look at all the people that, that I mean, all the grandmas Cuomo did kill, even though he used these things, but also all these, all the other negative benefits. They focus on one thing they think is a positive, and they just ignore all the bad things with it. Yeah, and so I, I was thinking about it this morning in the car, just about how- um, being a conservative or a libertarian is hard because it's harder to explain. It's hard to explain why we're right because we have to have numbers and facts to back it up as opposed to emotions and cute catchphrases, but it's well worth it in the long run. And so when people are saying that Republican state governors are heartless for refusing to accept this $300 federal subsidy for unemployment now that things are opening back up, it's actually not. They're just trying to protect people once once people start earning money again. What This all has to end at some point. And you start to earn money again and then what we've raised taxes so you're right back down where we were we have to think months and years out instead of what sounds good right now and you know what the right the right and us we need to do a better job of is when we say something yeah and we do something that we actually celebrated or talk about it years after when people forgot about it when everyone said that ron DeSantis was going to kill people and that florida was going to be the the you know the headquarters for covid and stuff Look at where they're at now and look at how successful they've been. They were wrong. But but we don't we don't rub it in and be like, no, see, you were wrong here. So let's remember this the next time. What about, man, every year I have this thing like I still want to bring up net neutrality, how awful they were, how unbelievably wrong they were and everything. Every year it's like I, I try to pose a thing like, hey, remember how wrong you were on this? Even the COVID stuff, all, all like some of the things they put into place. We need to do a better job of when we finally get the results that we can show we were right to tout that. Yeah. Because otherwise people just forget about it. like, oh yeah, it's four years ago. I don't remember that. It's like, you need to rub it in their face and be like, so listen, look how wrong you are about this. Let's remember that the next time we have a discussion about something different because you're not right about everything. Just because you say at the time doesn't make it right three, four years later. I love aggro, Mark. Like when you flip that switch where you just get like Hulk aggressive, I love it. Rub it's it great when we have stuff to show them though. We're like, like I love going back on Facebook and be like, hey, remember when you said this four years ago? Explain to me what happened. Now, like think about this with every other policy because you think you're the smartest person in the world. And now look at this. You're, you were wrong. Own it and say, I'm not always right. So maybe I should stop being so pompous about all my opinions. I'm just kind of talking about some of my Facebook friends. This is not people, just a couple people in general. I'm thinking. No, I mean, it's, it happens on Twitter all the time. I don't know if you follow uh, that guy, Red Steez, what's his name on Twitter, but he pulls up politicians, old tweets oh, and their it. new tweets. And he's like, this did not last long. And, you know, we were talking, there's so many like immigration issues that were promised mm-hmm. on the campaign trail that now the Biden Harris administration is walking back on there are so many things that don't work well because they have these pretty flowery friendly kind emotional talking points that don't have any research or data or quite frankly money to back them up and and then they get stuck in a tough place and we have to call them to the carpet on that sometimes do you see the washington post like comparison of the immigration with kamala for what trump said So basically Trump said something like, oh, we don't have any more room here. You should stay in your own country like 2019. And the Washington Post compared it to a a Hitler era thing. Uh, They said, oh, this is very like German, like Nazi Germany said the same thing. 
Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris, whatever, essentially said the same thing a week ago and said, hey, like, we want to help you, but there's, you can't, you should not come to this country. It's not good. And and they said it was like, they gave her this, these flowery words to describe. No, they, they, they wrote about it. But they said like, oh, like she says, a statement, just stay in your country for now. And they made it seem like it was a positive thing when Trump essentially said the same thing and they called it Nazi era Hitler stuff. So it is, um, part of that is the media and as much as i like i do defend the media at some point when the right talks about them but the way they they frame these things is how people deal with it and the fact that uh kamala harris is saying the same thing that you know trump did in some ways trump gets heat and i guess harris is fine saying those it's just unbelievable it's like shock not surprise i was talking to a friend recently who does a lot of media stuff and he said something about vaccines and how he wasn't getting vaccinated on a television interview and they cut that segment out and it's just like come on guys like we gotta you gotta let people live you gotta let people have their opinions it can't just be this is the opinion because it's the media's opinion it's just insane there's so many crazy things going on right now but i definitely think that um my, my whole point in bringing this up is definitely that being on the right side is much more difficult than being on the left. And we see that anytime we talk about fiscal or economic matters, it, it's, it's a lot harder. And I think it's, it's also smart to realize that even though we kind of had this general thought of this right left connect doesn't always go down those lines. I mean, there's a lot of, maybe not a lot, but there's some areas that I certainly am more left aligned on. Right. Um, like, I mean, corporate welfare, I mean, there's some Republicans that believe that is more of a left issue that they're actually right on. Right. Yeah, totally. And then, so, me personally, not to say that this is Beacon's position or anything, but I mean, I was I've been kind of for gay marriage since like 2008. And that, that's been a left position, although Donald Trump was the first president, I think, to ever be for it when he got into office. because I know uh, uh, Mr. Obama was not for it. Yeah. But the point is, like, it, it's not always as easy as this right left thing. I think economically it is sometimes. But even when you talk about tariffs, there's a lot of discussion. I mean, when I was younger, tariffs were a left thing and, and they've kind of become a right thing. And now the left's kind of for free trade because mostly because they're against anything Trump does, but either way. Um, so we're doing our best to kind of do it, but it doesn't always fall as easily into a left right spectrum. It's just that the right is almost always better on economic issues. Yeah. The free market principle thing. I, I said this a lot during the election, vice president Harris, uh, um, there's a line in Hamilton where he says, if you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Which I know, like, it's a very common. I thought it was if, you st- if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. But that's that's what I kind of think about when Harris kept flip-flopping her positions and moving all around in, in the races. It's if, you know, there is no principle to back things up. And if there's no principle, then you'll just say whatever is politically popular at the moment. And I feel like that is kind of like a, a common syndrome of the left or just the more outspoken, uneducated people on Twitter. (laughs) And I have one thing I need to say too, because I think that, I mean, the more I've seen, the more I've become, I do not like uh, Kamala Harris. I thought she was, I don't know. I didn't hate her at first, but she's become, and I have a bold prediction. And this is something that nobody agrees with. The next person running for president from the democratic party will not be Harris. When Biden's done, she will not win the primary. They're kind of putting her as the successor in, in chief that she's going to be the next person who's going to be the you know the next Democratic nominee for president once Biden's done. It will not be her. She will not win a primary. And I feel so confident. I put, despite the odds, I would put almost all my money behind her not being the next person. I feel so confident about that. She is not a good politician. Um, 
she's like, like we talked about, she kind of checks off all the boxes, you know, she's well-spoken, she's attractive. Um, she has a good, she has a good personal story. She's a woman. Um, and, and she has all these, and, and of course she has, a, she's had a good career if you look at her thing, but, um, she is not, I don't think she will win the Democratic primary. I don't think she has it. And I feel like the fact that she just like laughs at everything, like ask serious questions is a real problem. And I don't know that she has any actual solutions. The more and more I hear her talk, all she does is talk and catchphrases. She doesn't actually say anything when she talks. And I think at some point people are not going to like, I don't think she'll win. I, I just feel that is way out of what we're talking about, but she will not be the Democratic nominee in 2024 or 2028 or ever. And there will be another woman nominated on one of the sides before it's her. I am going to remember that because, I mean, everyone knows that I don't like Vice President Harris at all. Um, but I think that I, I'm not as wishful thinking as you yet. Like, I'm not convinced no. that it won't be her, but I am hoping, I am hoping that it will not be her. I'm not saying it won't be somebody worse than her. I mean, it could be AOC or something. I'm just telling you, it will not be her. No one gets under my skin quite like she does. So <laughs> I'm good with that. Gosh, um, let's move on to talk about sports for a little bit before Mark and I get so heated that our computers explode. Um, Julio Jones is coming to Nashville. My Bama boy, number eight, Julio Jones is coming to Nashville, and I could not be more excited. You know, we've seen this a lot. Mark and I were actually talking about this at, the, at our retreat. The front offices of these NFL teams are really messing a lot of things up. <laughs> there are so many people in Atlanta who are furious that Julio Jones is leaving and blame the front office entirely on that. Who was the other one that you were talking about? You were talking about someone else getting traded and it was entirely the front office's fault. Are you, oh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. That was the other one. I, I actually don't think it's entirely front office's fault. I think it's his fault too. But yes, it, it, they've handled it poorly. Sure. And so a lot of these NFL teams are, are really messing with their rosters. But I mean, this one, we'll take it. Derek Henry and Julio Jones together. I mean, Mama is a Titans fan now. <laughs> I know. It was a, it, it's, I, I'm trying to figure out if it's a, a good move or not for the Titans. I mean, I think Julio Jones is, when healthy, but, you know, a top probably three or four receiver in all football. The issue is he, A, hasn't been healthy. And B, I, I talked to you about as talented as he is, I'm not sure that Ryan Tannehill is the right quarterback for him because Tannehill does not have the deep ball that Matt Ryan had. He doesn't have the, like, his thing is, like, I can throw the ball 15 or 20 yards very accurately in the air, and then you can make – but, I mean, Julio Jones, part of his appeal is that he can catch an eight, a 60-yard touchdown pass if, if it's thrown well. Um, and you can, just, you can just throw it up to him, and he'll get it, even if he's covered. But I'm not sure that this puts them over the top the way they think it does. And I also have real concerns that – that Julio and AJ Brown, who's their number one receiver now, are essentially the same player. Where like when you have good receivers, you want one guy who can beat you deep, who can do these things, and then you want kind of the second guy who's better underneath, has better hands, might not be quite as fast, but is like a good route runner. And they're kind of the same. Julio's better than AJ Brown, but they have the same skill set. So I don't. It's like it's a good move only because Julio is so talented, but I'm not sure the fit's going to be great, and I'm not sure this really does anything to put them over the top. It makes them a better team. But I, I told you, I don't think Ryan Tannehill can win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think I would have rather seen a slight upgrade at quarterback than them get Julio Jones. That's my opinion. I, I can I can get on board with that. I just, you know, I'm, I have rose-colored glasses for my Crimson Tide boys. And so I... Well, no, but, it, but it's nothing about him. This is all about the rest oh. of the team and the fit. There, there would have been places that I feel like he's like, oh, if he goes, you know, like Kansas City, it's like, man, what a great fit. He puts them over the top and they'll win another Super Bowl. I just don't think the Titans are a good fit, but... It's like it's still such a 
an incredible player and a player of that, that caliber, you're happy to have on your team no matter what, even if it's not a great fit. Well, my friend Kennedy, who lives in Atlanta, has a Julio Jones jersey from the Falcons, and he will be giving that to me because he never got to wear it to a single game because of COVID. So, Oh, no. <laughs> you, you should buy – see, here's the key. When you have a guy you really like, but, like, they might get traded, just get their Alabama jersey because wherever they go, you can still support them, you know? Yeah. And, it's like, no matter what team they're on, the jersey still stays. As soon as somebody gets traded, their jersey's worthless. Oh, I need to get a Najee Harris jersey. You know, my family jokes around. My sister's marrying a guy named Ryan, and I insist that I'm going to marry Najee Harris. And so we text all the time about mom, Sarah, Ryan, Najee, Taylor. Like, it's it's just like a it's like couples in our little group text. Najee and Ryan, brothers-in-law. We also, me and Taylor basically agree on almost all players. I mean, she thinks every player from Alabama is the greatest, and I don't. I usually think most of them are overrated. Najee Harris is the one player that we really agree on, though. I think he's going to be a superstar. Outside of being a really great guy, the way he runs, I just think he's so good. And for us to agree on a player like that, like I think he will be a you know eight, nine, ten time Pro Bowler. I think he's that good. Oh, and he's so cute. Million dollar smile. I just think he he's the best ever. The best. Well, I hope he does well. Unlike a lot of. Um, Alabama player. So, okay. Well, we'll take that. We'll agree. Oh, also, I hate your quarterback. He seemed like the worst, the guy who just got drafted. Oh, Matt, yeah. Matt Jones. He, he okay. seems like such a, like him walking, get drafted. I'm like, I, I don't mean this, but like, I'm like, man, he looks like he should be punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a German word that means a face that's begging to be punched. And but it's like, it's not even just his face, it's the way that he walks, it's like his outfit, it's just the way he carries himself. And he yeah. also like, I feel like some of these Alabama guys really get away with a lot. Like, I mean, he had a DUI and like, they just kind of let that go. And he just like, he's just this pompous, like he like, remember me and you talked about the fraternity guys, how some of them are great and some are awful. He seems like one of the awful ones. That's all I'd say. He kind of does. I kind of wanted him to trip when he was walking up there. It was just, yeah, he, he's not the best, but Devonte Smith and Najee Harris are the best. Smith is unbelievable too. Yeah. I actually like the guys. I don't like uh, Waddle as much, but Devonte Smith is so good. And all my friends are Eagles fans. They were very excited trade up to get him I mean they, they think he is like an x-factor type guy two of my best friends are Eagles fans and so we were we were excited for that too we can I'll, I'll cheer for the Eagles I'll cheer for for him he's he's a precious angel um before we, go, before we go let's talk about movies we're looking forward to this year um either that have already come out and we haven't seen yet or are going to come out mark you first uh Wedding Crashers 2 is my number one. I'm very excited for the second Wedding Crashers. I actually just watched the, the first one last night. I'm like, I'm getting excited for it. So um, that'll be good. I'm excited for the Purge movie. I just always like those movies. And there's a second Purge movie. And then I'm excited for the Quiet, A Quiet Place. The first one was really good. John, John Krasinski, I guess, produced and directed that and his wife, Emily Blunt's in it. So those are the three I'm looking forward to. I also realized I haven't been to the movie theater in about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So I do think, and I know Wedding Crash is going to come right on HBO, I believe. Yeah. But but A Quiet Place, I might try to see in theaters over the next two weeks. I will say my, you. Roommate, my, my roommate Brenna saw it in the movie theater and she came home reporting that she embarrassed herself because she kept screaming and gasping. So just- Wait, her- did, she, did she say if it was good? Yeah, she said it was incredible. <laughs> I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah, so just get ready. Well, mine are not as scary. I'm looking forward to In the Heights, which was Lin-Manuel Miranda's first musical before Hamilton. It's being made into a movie. Wait, what's it called? In the Heights. I, never, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, it's talking about a community. It's based, based on his community where he grew up in Washington Heights in New York. Um, so that movie, The French Dispatch, which is Wes Anderson's new one that's coming out that stars my baby in the love of my life, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> um, 
Uh, just let me have it. Just let just let it happen. Okay, just let it happen. And then um, there's another movie that's coming out called He's All That, which is oh no way in the '90s, but flipped so that the guy is the the main one. So who's who's going to be in that? I have no idea, but I am so excited because I love She's All That. But She's All That was so dumb in the fact that it's like. She was clearly so hot before, and they basically just put glasses on her and, like, kind of made her dress weird. But even when she was, like, supposed to be ugly, it's like, yeah, she's super cute. What do you, like, like, you don't even have to do that much. She looks great then. She basically had, like, what, paint on her, like, overalls. Like, it doesn't make her not hot. Like, what, what is going on? And, like, they basically turned this girl who's already, like, a 9.5 into a 10. It's, like, great. Like, you did nothing. You just dressed her up and cut her hair. But yeah. that was dumb because, like, if you're going to do that, you need somebody who's I don't know, more not like unattractive. Well, they always do that. Like Anne Hathaway in Princess Diaries, like she had frizzy hair, but she was still cute before her princess transformation. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't watch that, but for sure. It's like, like I, they need to do a better job. Like maybe they need to actually have somebody different play both those roles to actually make a real thing. Like, <laughs> like remember that show, The Swan? No, what's that? It's like they, they basically had girls and they got plastic surgery and then look way hotter. But like, you, but you couldn't actually tell. And I think guys too, like you couldn't actually tell they were even the same person. They look so much better. Just she's all that just made no sense because of how attractive she was to begin with. Well, none of those make sense. You know that movie Drive Me Crazy with Adrian Grenier and Melissa Joan Hart? Like, oh yeah. Kind of grungy, but he was still like hot. Well, you so, love him though. Yeah, I love him so much. Um, he and Timmy are the kings of my heart and and my boyfriend, Najee Harris. Well, wow, I have a lot of boyfriends that don't <laughs> You have me. a lot of boyfriends. <laughs> they don't realize they're my boyfriend. Yeah, I just yeah. thought before I embarrassed myself. Yeah, you <laughs> may get restraining orders too, since they don't know you, but they are <laughs> hypothetically your boyfriends. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop before I embarrass myself further. So um, everyone have a great weekend and I will um, not say embarrassing things next week. <laughs>